your industry, your profession. What if it felt like when you were going to work, what if it felt a little bit like you were going to heaven? I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? You know, my hope is that this month, every single one of you will experience a conversion. Okay, what we call at Harbor a faith and work conversion. I want to convince you that your faith is supremely important to what you do, no matter what you do. Okay, whether you work in an office, at a site, whether you work from home or at home, if you run a company or a home, God cares about what you do. Your work matters to God. And I think your faith can make your work both significant and satisfying, not only now, but for your entire career. And so, and let me just make a little caveat here. If you are under, if you're unemployed, or, let's, or if you're retired, or if you're an unpaid volunteer, don't tune out, okay? This is also for you as well, because work, I mean, in the most general definition, work is just having an impact, okay? We could define work as any effort to shape and influence the world around us, including other people, okay? So if you are not, if you don't feel like I'm hitting exactly where you are in your place of work or your place of non-work, um, don't tune out. This series really is for everyone, um, and as we get started, what I wanted to do is I wanted to do a little bit of an assessment of ourselves to see where we are in terms of integrating faith and work. Okay, so I'm going to map out six levels and ask you where you are uh, in terms of the faith and work scale. If faith and work is a business or an industry, you're going to get to determine where you are sort of in the corporate hierarchy. Okay, each level is going to represent a promotion in the faith and work corporate ladder, and I want to give out lots of promotions this month. Okay, wherever you are, I want to see you move up as you, as you think biblically about, about faith and work. And so let, let's talk about the basement level first. Okay, this is underneath the ground. All right, so at the basement level, this would almost be like you're unemployed in the business of faith and work. Okay, and, and these are people that, that see no integration. Faith is a private matter. It's separate from your work. And frankly, work is just the grind, right? It's, it's actually the curse, Okay, work is the curse, um, and heaven and work go, don't go together because why? Heaven is going to be the end of work, right? If that's what you're thinking, there's so much great opportunity for you to be promoted this month, okay? But you're in the basement, okay? You're, you're, you're down below the ground. You're unemployed in faith and work. We're hopefully going to change that this month. Um, now, so there are five more levels that start from the ground up. So level one, this first level this would be a worker in the business of faith and work, okay? And this would be the provider, okay? Level one is the provider. Work keeps you out of trouble. Work teaches you character lessons. Work enables you to earn money to fulfill your God-given responsibilities to provide for your needs and the needs of your family, right? That makes sense. And on this first, le- first level, you become kind of a peer leader when you also realize that your work enables you to support the work of God in the world, okay? When you begin to use your funds to... Not only to provide for your needs, but to provide for the work of God in the world, you become sort of a peer leader on that first level. Okay, that's level one. The second level, uh, we call this a manager in the business of faith and work. Okay, a manager. And the second level is the, is the level of excellence. Excellence. You are respected for excellence in your work. You do it well. You're known for your integrity. And this is important to you because you see your work as a reflection on your faith and on your God. Third level, 
uh, this would make you a director, right? You're a worker, you're a manager, now you're a director, right? A director in the business of faith and work. This is the, the level of relationships, okay? The level of relationships. You are gracious at work. You're forgiving. You're there to serve others. You're trusted both personally and professionally by others, coworkers, colleagues. People come to you in your workplace, and you're wise in how you share your faith with others. You share it so that other people can understand and be blessed by your faith. And you do it in a way that doesn't come across as obnoxious or odious to your coworkers. Okay, that's the third level, relationships. Now, the fourth level, this would be you, you, you're a vice president in the business of faith and work. This is the, uh, the level of the image of God. Okay, the image of God. In this, you're at this level, if you image God in your work as a creator, a maintainer, or a restorer in your work. If you see the connection between what you do at work and what God does in the world. Your work actually helps you to know God better because you recognize that he does what you do. Okay, You also begin to see that your work is starting to make this world in small ways, the way this world will be in the new heavens and new earth. When God fixes and heals and restores everything, your work is beginning to make this world look like the world to come. Okay, when you see that, you are, and you also see your work as contributing to the health of the city and that your work really truly is contributing something to to the community. Okay, if you're at that level, you're a vice president in the business of faith and work. That's the image of God level. And then the fifth level, the highest level, this would make you a CEO in the business of faith and work. This is the level of a redeemer. Okay, a redeemer. Not in the ultimate sense, like Jesus is the redeemer. But in, at this level, you aren't just working on it for yourself, but you want to help other people fix and restore the problems that your job, your profession, your company, or your industry has. Okay, and so in the midst of this, and we'll talk more about all these levels as we go through this month, but uh, at this level, you're developing a theology and a vision. What does the Bible say about this particular part of my work? What is, what's a vision for what, the, the, what my work would look like if God's kingdom were to invade and it were to infect everything? You also identify leaders that can help lead other people to understand this understanding of work, and then you begin examples of how your work should be and should look. Okay, so those are the six levels. Where are you this morning on that scale? How are you doing? Give yourself a rating. And maybe, maybe you know, you, you evidence certain things in some of the different levels, right? Maybe it's not just a straight progression. But, uh, you know, maybe there's different levels. But like I said, this month, no matter where you are, I want all of us to get promotions. Okay? I want you to be promoted in the business of faith and work. I want you to think and act differently tomorrow and for the rest of your career okay that's where we're going now the question is how i mean how can things really change is it really possible to work your way up this love into these levels of understanding your the integration of faith and work well it is possible but it's also i guess impossible in one sense right it's possible because this is our calling from god but it's impossible if we try to do this on our own Okay, you can't do this by yourself. The way that you start, though, is by bringing heaven to work. 
Okay, you need to bring heaven to work. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what our text is going to aim at. So let me go ahead now and read. The text is printed in your bulletin if you don't have your Bible. We're going to be looking at Romans 5. It's on page 3 there. Um, We're looking at verses 12 through 21. Under the realm of bringing heaven to your work. Give you, this is God's word. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was, it was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as Adam did, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. And the law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is God's word. We're going to see three things here in this text, and these are our three points you can write in in your outline. Um, First, we're going to see two kingdoms at work. Second, what keeps heaven out of work? And then third, what brings heaven into work? Okay, so first, the two kingdoms at work. I got to say, just this passage in Romans, there is so much theology here this this passage goes so deep we could spend years studying this passage but i think all i want us to look at today is i just want you to notice these two kingdoms okay the focus of this passage is really on two men adam and jesus they're leaders and the work that each one of them did started a kingdom that has affected everything okay adam's work broke the world Okay, God is the source. The way the Bible tells the story, God is the source of everything that's good. In the workplace, everything that's good, all happiness, all satisfaction, all productivity, all creativity, new ideas, it all comes from God. And yet when Adam and Eve sinned, they weren't just breaking a rule, they were turning their backs on God. Okay, they were turning away from him. And when they turned away from God, they turned away from God's goodness. They cut themselves off from that source of what's good, and this affected everything. And it breeds. It breeds. It affects and infects everything. Uh, We found out yesterday at the house that we have a mouse. 
Okay. We have a mouse, and we didn't see the mouse, right? What did we see? Yeah, we saw, the, we saw the mouse droppings. We hope it's a mouse. I have to keep saying mouse, otherwise Lainey freaks out. The idea of a rat would just be too much. So we have this mouse. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about this yesterday. It's amazing that we, because if, if the rat, if the mouse, sorry, if the mouse didn't leave droppings, we would have no idea that it was there, right? Unless it was chewing into something, then we could find out. But there was no, there was no marks other than the droppings that this mouse left behind. And I thought, you know, it's disgusting, but it's interesting that this mouse can't leave, can't not leave droppings wherever it goes. You know everywhere the mouse went because you can follow this trail of droppings. And I know it's awful, but this is the picture of Adam's kingdom. Okay? Everywhere it goes, it brings sin. It brings death. It brings brokenness. It brings the opposite of what God intended for the world. Okay? Like, that's the connection I want you to make. And, and that's what this passage is telling us. Eleven times it talks about sin. Six times it talks about trespasses. Five times it talks about death. You just go through and count it. What we see here is that, and then we, we think about that, we think about the workplace, and we think, gosh, there's a lot of this kingdom of Adam in the workplace, right? Sin is missing the mark. It's failing to achieve goals. Trespasses are breaking the law. The idea of death. I mean, we're not just talking about physical death, but we're talking about the things that breed death, right? The droppings of death, like backbiting, gossip, ego, selfishness, politics, like these things, and they're not just isolated incidents. It's interesting. In this passage, it's a kingdom. Verse 21 says that sin reigned in death. Verse 14 says death reigned. So it's not just isolated. There's a really, the work of Adam produced this kingdom that where, where sin and death reign. Reign. And so what we see here, it's really, it's like a culture that's affecting everything. It's not just, you know, if, if kingdom is a little bit too ancient a, a term, think about culture. Like, it's this ethos. And now, a lot of people say, well, that's just not fair, right? Adam does this thing. He starts this thing. It, it goes awry because of him, and now we suffer for it? I mean, I think you have some right to complain, but, I mean, really, don't we see this at work all the time? I mean, how often are you affected negatively by the actions of others? Right? How often are you affected negatively by other people's attitudes? And so we see this. And I think before we cry foul too quickly, we need to recognize that, I mean, truth be told, we're not, we're not guiltless in this. Right? I mean, it's not like we don't contribute to the things that are wrong in the workplace. It's not like we don't also propagate some of this kingdom. But that's, that's the kingdom of Adam. Okay, that's the kingdom of Adam. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, brings a totally different kingdom. Right, And Paul is juxtaposing these two kingdoms against each other in this passage. Jesus' work was to come and fix what's wrong with the world. And his, his kingdom is described, if you chase the words down in this passage, as a gift. Right, A gift. Imagine that in the workplace. Jesus' kingdom brings grace. Grace, unmerited favor, forgiveness acceptance, understanding. It brings life. I mean, the good life, where things are what they're supposed to be, righteousness. Righteousness isn't just laws. 
You know, in fact, verse 20 says that when the laws come in, the sin goes up, right? You've been in corporate environments like that where your boss freaks out or somebody up high freaks out and all of a sudden the clamps come down and now there's rules for everything. Does that help? Usually that actually makes problems worse, doesn't it? It kills any sort of spirit of joy, any sort of spirit of, of productivity in the workplace. But Jesus brings righteousness. And again, it's, this is life as it should be. You know, predictability, understandability, people doing the right thing, getting things done. And then we see the word justification used. And this is forgiveness. It's transformation. It's assurance and security. And this is also a kingdom. Again, this isn't just isolated incidents. Verse 21 again says that grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we see here is that Jesus also brings this ethos into the world. He brings this, this culture of life and grace and, uh, and righteousness. And so you know, I was thinking about this, and I think you know this. Maybe you've experienced this at your work. Um, maybe you haven't, but let me throw this out. Which is the airline that's best known for its customer service? Yeah, Southwest. Southwest Airlines, right? You've, you've been on a Southwest Airlines flight? Like, what's going on with the people who work for Southwest, right? Maybe you've had an, an experience that hasn't shown this. But, but for the large part, Southwest has a reputation for being fun, right? Their flight attendants are goofy, but, the, you know, they're fun. They, 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 take, they, they take things lightly. Um, they just they act differently at Southwest. And I've heard people talk. I've heard executives from Southwest talk about this culture. And you know where it came from? It came from Herb Kelleher. He was the CEO of Southwest Airlines for, for so many decades. They have the nicest staff because Herb set the tone and said, we're going to hire people who are fun. We are going to hire people that don't take professionalism a little you know, too seriously. And he created a culture. And if you are part of Southwest, all the way from the executive team at the top down to the flight attendants at the bottom, Southwest reflects a spirit of joy and fun that I think is a reflection of the kingdom of Jesus. It's a reflection of this kingdom that Jesus brings from top to bottom. doesn't mean they're perfect. You know, we all have incidents that can, uh, that can speak to the contrary. But, but I guess I just want to give you a sense of what that looks like in case you can understand it. So we're going to talk a little bit more about these two competing kingdoms and the cultures in the next two points. Okay, so let's jump to point two. What keeps heaven out of work? Think about that. What is it that hinders you from living out this kingdom, this kingdom of Jesus? I mean, as I thought through this, it seems like several things. I mean, one, existing ruts, right? Because your work operates at a certain way right now, right? There's a way that, that you think about work, that you do your work. There's a, a, there's a, there are ruts that you already walk in, right? You already have patterns that are set. And so those patterns may not be consistent uh, with heaven. And so it's difficult to change your patterns, right? Maybe you've never thought about this before. Maybe you've never thought that work and your faith should be integrated. You need to move up sort of this corporate ladder of faith and work. I think fear also hinders us. Right? As you're thinking about this, maybe you're thinking, well, that makes sense, but what am I going to look like in the office if I really take this seriously? And so maybe you're afraid. 
but you're afraid of being a little too different. You don't want to stand out. You're afraid that you might lose relationships. You know, or maybe you're afraid that you might be taken advantage of. Well, if I act in this way, they're going to take advantage of me and I'm not going to be as successful as I would be. Right? These are things that keep us, they, they keep heaven out. Maybe it's the, the process of your reviews, your performance reviews. Or maybe you're, you have quotas or you, you work on commission and you are afraid that if you really begin to take this seriously, you're not sure what's going to happen with your, your goals and objectives. I think beyond that, those are things kind of internally that keep heaven out of work for us. But I think externally, if we're honest, we also have, there are things, there are industry sins, we could say. There are sins of the profession, you know, we, we could call them. And these are, these are legitimate and, and powerful things in our lives that keep heaven out. There are ways that business happens that aren't producing, that aren't bringing heaven to work that actually keep heaven out of work. I, I worked 10 years in sales. And I mean, one great example of this um, was just, I mean, the practice of how you treat your customers. And I, I mean, the, the temptation to bribe customers, the temptation to lie both to customers and also internally to tell your company things so that you can get a particular price or get a deal done because you know what they need to hear, even if it's not the reality. I mean, the temptation to lie was, is rampant in sales. The temptation to, well, they always say that when you ask a salesman how things are going this month, the room just starts to fill with smoke. It starts to fill with smoke. You know, where he says a lot of stuff, and then you walk away and you go, I don't think he actually said anything material. I mean, these are the sins of, of, of the sales profession. Um, you know, I had a good friend who uh, was basically told flat out, if you don't take this customer to this strip club, I'm going to fire you. Because that's what their competitors were doing. And if they didn't do that, they were going to lose the deal. I mean, so these are industry sins. These are sins of the profession that are, that, that are cultures that you live and work in that really just, they put pressure on you. And so it's just good to be honest that these are things that keep heaven out. And so you just want to ask yourself, what is it that's broken outside of you that pressures you to do the wrong things at work? Okay, now in the middle of this, you know, what do we do? How do we fix this? Um, what is the solution? This passage is painting these two kingdoms and, and showing them side by side. And it kind of says, like begets like. The kingdom of Adam produces rat droppings wherever it goes. The kingdom of Jesus produces life and joy and heaven at work. And it's neat that like begets like if you're on the side that you want to be. But what if you're trapped? Do these kingdoms ever intermingle? Is it possible to move from one side to the other? Well, the answer, amazingly, is right in the center of this passage. Right in the middle. It's verse 16. In verse 16, we actually see these two kingdoms collide. Okay, verse 16 says, again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. This is what's different about the work of Jesus. This, this was different about what Jesus does. Jesus can actually rescue people. Okay? If you commit one sin, in the Adam world, condemnation comes. 
and it's over. There's nothing but condemnation. What's amazing, though, about Jesus is that you can come to him with not just one sin, but you can come to him with many sins, with many trespasses, and you can find that you can be forgiven. You can find in Jesus that your sins and trespasses can be dealt with. I mean, it's kind of amazing because if you kind of take out a, you know, a highlighter and, and sort of highlight in one color the, king, you know, the Adam kingdom and highlight in another color the Jesus kingdom, there's, they really do just sort of go back and forth, back and forth, and never the twain meet until this verse. And it's amazing that Jesus is willing to actually take us with all of our sins and our trespasses and he deals with them. He fixes what's broken in us. And this is what he does on the cross. In his death and his resurrection, Jesus takes on the punishment, the condemnation that our sins deserve. And he declares that we're forgiven. I mean, and this is the solution. And so you can bring, if you're living in the Adam kingdom, Christian or not, if you're doing things at work that are part of the Adam kingdom, bring all of your sins, all your trespasses, bring them to Jesus, and with your many trespasses, he will give you justification. He will declare that you are forgiven and right with God. We're going to do an exercise now. If you look on page 5 in your bulletin, it's just the, uh, the facing page. Um, we're going to I want to actually spend a little bit of time and I want to have you do something, do an exercise. I want you to write down the sins that you personally commit at work. Okay, now this is private. You're not going to have to share this with anybody, but I want you to write down the sins that you commit in the workplace. Okay, and when you're done with that, I want you to write down the industry or company sins that tempt you to do the wrong things. Okay, we're going to spend about a minute and just start this process because I want you to be thinking, I want, I, I want you to think through what is it that keeps heaven out of work, um, that keeps heaven out. And so, again, like what I want you to do is I want you to make a list of the things that you do uh, at work and also the things that are sort of outside of you that press in on you and cause you not to do the things that you think you ought to do. And so just go ahead and take a minute and, and write down Write down those things. Okay. Um, what we're going to do next is we're going to spend some time in prayer. Okay. We're going to confess our sins to God. Again, we're not going to do this out loud, so you don't have to be embarrassed. But if you flip over in your bulletin to page 6, um, there's a prayer of confession here. And what we're going to do is first we're going to confess our own sins. And then we're going to confess the sins of our profession or our company, our industry. Okay, even if you haven't committed the sins that your industry, your profession, your company commits, um, I I want you to confess those. And this is a biblical practice, okay? In Scripture, Daniel, Job, Nehemiah, and Jesus are seen confessing sins on behalf of the people that, in a sense, they represent. Um, and, uh, And so what they're doing is they're doing this in a way to ask God to bring his healing touch upon their world, okay? And, I mean, it's interesting because when I, when I think about this process, I mean, prayer really is one of the best places where Christians can stand in the gap between what is wrong with work 
and the powerful love of God. Okay, one author said that when we bring these two realities together, they're like kind of the lenses of, of, of a pair of binoculars. You know, and you, you sort of bring them close together and it sort of forms these two lenses, form one picture that you can see, that one circle. It's like when you take the love of God and his grace and then you take the brokenness of the workplace and you bring them together. When you look through that, you see Christians on their knees. You see them standing in the gap, begging God to bring his power and his grace into their workplace. And so, and look, if, if you're here today and you're not a Christian at this point, don't feel any pressure to pray. Um, we're not going to pressure you there, but I just want you to notice that these are the kinds of Christians that we're trying to produce here at Harbor. Okay, it, it's not about pointing fingers. It's not about throwing rocks at, at the industry, at our professions, or at work. It's actually about us trying to own as much responsibility as we can for the stuff that's broken and to try to figure out how we can be part of the solution. And we start not by thinking that we know, but by going to God and asking him to help us know and to teach us what we need to be so that we can be part of the solution. I mean, I hope in a sense, isn't this what you hope Christians are doing when they're not at work? I mean, isn't this the attitude that you want to see? That, that if a church had this attitude, boy, that makes, it, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? So let, let's do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in this prayer of confession up to the point where we're going to fill in those things on our personal list. I'm going to give you a few moments to confess those things silently to yourself that are from your, your personal list. And then I'll lead us through the, uh, the second part of this prayer up to where you begin to confess the things on your profession, your company, your industry. And, and just so you know, like, I'm doing this too, okay? My profession is a pastor. My company is, is Harbor Church. And my industry is the PCA, our denomination. And so I'm not telling you to do something that I haven't already done this week that I'm not also doing with you here. So, I mean, this is for all of us. And so let's go ahead and, um, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. King Jesus, I confess that I haven't thought enough about how your kingdom should influence my work. And when I've thought about what's wrong at my work, I have blamed everyone and everything else. But now I want to start fresh. There are sins I commit at work, and I want to confess those things to you. Please forgive me. Now spend a few moments confessing your list. And Jesus, the problem is bigger than me. There are sins that characterize my profession, my company, and my industry, my job, my church, and my denomination. I want to confess these to you, not to throw rocks at others, but because I want to see your kingdom change my profession, change my company, and change my industry. Please forgive us. Please let your kingdom come and your will be done at work as it is in heaven. Amen. If you've confessed that, I have good news for you. Um, it's good news that comes right out of our text. We just looked at it. Let's read these two verses uh, together. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace 
and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Well, this leads us into our third point. Um, This third point is what brings heaven in to work. And the good news is that you just started. Okay? If you participated in the act, leading in repentance, owning responsibility rather than blame shifting and finger pointing is the beginning of how to bring heaven into your work. Um, And then to look at this passage, it says it's Jesus' work that brings heaven. Okay? In one sense, he has brought heaven to earth. And then he comes and asks you to bring it into your work. Okay? And he does this through the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the outpouring of heaven into your heart. You know, we say that when you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, it's the, he's, he's the presence of God. <clears throat> the presence of God. And wherever God goes, he brings this culture, right? This kingdom. <clears throat> to be around Jesus must have been an amazing thing, Right? the sense of who he is, the sense of what he was like, the sense of God walking the earth. You have that if you have the Holy Spirit in your heart. The Spirit is the Spirit of heaven. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of heaven. You get to experience now in part what you will experience fully and perfectly in heaven. You get to experience that in part today. It's like, it's a down, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He brings the kingdom of heaven into your hearts. Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so you carry this kingdom of heaven. And so you bring heaven into work by going in with heaven in your heart. It's when you have encountered heaven. It's when you've experienced the love of heaven, the joy of heaven, the productivity of heaven, the creativity of heaven. It's when you've experienced the forgiveness of heaven, the grace of heaven. It's the self-control of heaven. It's the goodness of heaven, the gentleness of heaven, the, the, the kindness of heaven. When you've experienced these things yourself, you just bring them with you into the office. You bring them with you into your site, into your school, wherever you work. You bring them with you. And it affects everything. It affects your attitude. Are you going to be a jerk in heaven? No. And so don't be a jerk at, don't be a jerk at work. Sorry, was that too complicated? <laughs> don't be a jerk. Now, I mean, some people say, oh, well, that's, like, you can't just tell me to do that. Well, I'm telling you as someone who has heaven in your heart, right? Someone who has had heaven invade you if you believe in Jesus. That's why you don't be a jerk. It's not you trying to drum up non-jerkness on your own. It's experiencing heaven that keeps you from being a jerk, right? And so bitterness, you know, and then your actions, right? Gossip, backbiting, ego maneuvering, lying. I mean, these things aren't part of heaven. They're not part of the kingdom that Jesus has brought into you. So don't bring those things to work. That's, That's part of, those are the rat droppings of Adam's kingdom. Right? Jesus brings you totally different things. Excellence in work, faithfulness, a good employee, a good boss. These things communicate heaven to others. These things sort of propagate an ethos of heavenliness in the workplace. I mean, it's amazing. 
And so you go to work to serve, to help others taste heaven. Your attitude, your actions, your speech, let it all be characterized by heaven. Um, Paul Marshall has written a great book called Heaven Is Not My Home, which is just a provocative title in and of itself. It's a wonderful book, highly recommended. And in that, he quotes this, uh, this friend of his named Cal uh, Seerveld. Listen to what he says. This helps us understand this idea of the ethos or culture of heaven. He said, my father is a seller of fish. He had a small store and it smells like fish. At the end of one bargaining session with a customer over a particularly splendid fish, this customer said, my, you certainly didn't miss your calling. And she spoke the truth. My father is in full-time service for the Lord in the fish business. And customers who come to the store sense it. Not that we always have the cheapest fish in town. Not that there is no sin. But this, that little fish market is not only a clean, honest place where you can buy quality fish at a reasonable price with a smile, but there is a spirit in the store, a spirit of laughter, of fun, of joy inside the buying and selling that strikes an observer pleasantly. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen people that work this way. Maybe sometimes you've been people that work that way. He goes on to say this, When I watch my dad's hands, big beefy hands with broad stubby fingers, they could never play the piano. When I watch those hands delicately split the back of a mackerel, when I know that those hands cut and sold fish year after year for over 50 years without a vacation, through fire and sickness, thieves and disaster, without complaining, past temptation, struggling day in and day out to fix a just price, in weakness, but always in faith, cutting up fish before the face of the Lord. When I see that, I know that any work, even cutting fish, can be a sacred task pleasing to God. Boy, what a vision for bringing heaven to work. Maybe you have the authority to foster this at your company. Maybe you have the authority to foster it in your office. Maybe you only have the authority to foster it at your desk. Take the opportunities that you have. Bring this kingdom that Jesus has brought into your heart. Bring it into the workplace. Bring it in to where you are and let it run. Let it run. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the way that you have brought this kingdom into our hearts. We're thankful so much that you would save us, that after many sins and trespasses, that after many ways where we have fallen short and broken uh, our own work, that you would even come in the midst of that, in the midst of our brokenness and redeem us. And not just redeem us, but that you would bring heaven itself into our hearts, into our midst. God, go before us, renew our minds, help us to think differently about our work so that it would make a difference tomorrow, this week, this month. And God, if there are people here who don't know you yet, would you draw them? Would you draw them to this King Jesus who can include anybody in this process of bringing heaven to work? Draw them to yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.